O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, August 13. I want to draw your attention to a pick on the navigation menu on the Daily Audio Torah website. It is found under Our Projects and Partners. Select Torah House Global Prayer Network. This is a call to believers throughout the nations everywhere to take a place on the wall of prayer and intercession and to raise up a standard against the rising tide of evil and lawlessness that we see in our nations and in our culture. Let me share with you from their vision statement. The Torah House is an imaginary space where we meet each Arab Shabbat at 9 p.m. We all pray from our own location and in our own time zone. Together, we will enter into the virtual Torah house every Arab Shabbat, Friday night at 9 p.m., your local time. His set-apart people will meet with Yeshua in his Torah house. Community prayer is of tremendous value because as we pray of one heart, mind, and purpose, great power is released in the heavens. We begin our prayer time with a great shofar blast and enter Yehovah's courts with praise. We come against the relentless tide of evil that is swallowing up the nations. We ask for our Father to establish His Torah in our city, our region, and our nation. Each month there is a featured prayer theme for the month, so that together we can focus our prayers on the prayer theme for that month. You can sign up to get onto the email list and receive the prayer theme for the month. And we have excellent articles with scriptures and prayer points uh, for each month. Go to thetorahouse.com to see the prayer theme for this month. To learn more or to sign up to become a member or a partner or a coordinator, go to thetorahouse.com and find out more. Join with others throughout the nations every Friday night at 9 p.m., as together we raise up a symphony of prayer to Abba Father in seeking His face and crying out to Him for the remnant to return to the God of Israel and to His great and glorious Torah. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means Judges. Deuteronomy 20, 1-20 When you go out to fight your enemies, and you face horses and chariots, and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, Listen to me, all you men of Israel. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. 
For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, Has anyone here just built a new house, but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle, and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone here just planted a vineyard, but not yet eaten any of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle, and someone else would eat the first fruit. Has anyone here just become engaged to a woman, but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in the battle, and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten others. When the officers have finished speaking to their troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your swords to kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations in the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. Nehemiah 5:14-773 For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance the former governors in contrast had laid heavy burdens on the people demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistance took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table besides all the visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every ten days we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine, 
Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O my God, all that I have done for these people, and bless me for it. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. I replied, There is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home. He said, Let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me, because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Remember, O my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat have done, and remember Noadiah the prophet and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So on October 2nd the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of of our God. During those fifty-two days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah, for many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law was Shechaniah, son of Era, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said. And Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. After the wall was finished and I had set up the doors and the gates, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed. I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother, Hanani, 
along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. I said to them, Do not leave the gates open during the hottest part of the day, and even while the gatekeepers are on duty, have them shut and bar the doors. Appoint the residents of Jerusalem to act as guards, everyone on a regular watch. Some will serve at sentry posts and some in front of their own homes. At that time the city was large and spacious, but the population was small, and none of the houses had been rebuilt. So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city, along with the ordinary citizens, for registration. I had found the genealogical record of those who had first returned to Judah. This is what was written there. Here is the list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon, but now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Nehemani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Bena. This is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. The family of Parosh, 2172. The family of Shepatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 652. The family of Pehath-Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2818. The family of Elam, 1254. The family of Zatu, 845. The family of Zakai, 760. The family of Bani, 648. The family of Babai, 628. The family of Asgad, 2322. The family of Adonikam, 667. The family of Bigvi, 2067. The family of Aden, 655. The family of Ater, descendants of Hezekiah, 98. The family of Hashem, 328. The family of Bezai, 324. The family of Jorah, 112. The family of Gebar, 95. The people of Bethlehem and Netophah, 188. The people of Anathoth, 128. The people of Beth Asmaveth, 42. The people of Kiriath Jerim, Kephira, and Birath, 743. The people of Ramah and Geba, 621. The people of Michmash, 122. The people of Bethel and Ai, 123. The people of West Nebo, 52. The citizens of West Elam, 1,254. The citizens of Haram, 320. The citizens of Jericho, 345. The citizens of Lod, Hadid, and Anno, 721. The citizens of Sana'a, 3,930. These are the priests who returned from exile. The family of Judea, through the line of Jeshua, 973. The family of Immer, 1,052. The family of Pasher, 1,247. The family of Haram, 1,017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua and Cadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The singers of the family of Asaph, 148. The gatekeepers of the families of Shalom, Ater, Talman, Akub, Hatita, and Shobai, 138. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile. 
Ziha, Hasufa, Tabeoth, Keros, Siaha, Padon, Lebanah, Hagabah, Shalmai, Hanan, Gedel, Gahar, Ria, Rezan, Nakoda, Gazim, Uza, Pasia, Besai, Meunam, Nefuzam, Bagbuk, Hakufa, Harher, Belluth, Mehida, Harsha, Barkos, Sisera, Tima, Naziah, and Hatifa. The descendants of these servants of King Solomon returned from exile, Sotai, Hasopherath, Peruda, Jela, Darkon, Gedel, Shephatiah, Hatil, Pokoreth, Hazibam, and Ami. In all, the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants numbered 392. Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel-Mila, Tel-Harsha, Kerub, Adon, and Immer. However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, and Nakoda, a total of 642 people. Three families of priests, Hobiah, Hekaz, Barzillai, also returned. This Barzillai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they were not found, so they were disqualified from serving as priests. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter by using the Urim and Thummim, the sacred lots. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah, in addition to 7,337 servants and 245 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. Some of the family leaders gave gifts for the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold coins, 50 gold basins, and 530 robes for the priests. The other leaders gave to the treasury a total of 20,000 gold coins and some 2,750 pounds of silver for the work. The rest of the people gave 20,000 gold coins, about 2,500 pounds of silver, and 67 robes for the priests. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. 1 Corinthians 8, 1-13 Now regarding your Corinthian questions about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that all we have we all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, and the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So, what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, through whom all things were created, and through whom 
we live. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So, when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Psalm 33, 1-11 Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Proverbs 21, 8-10 The guilty walk a crooked path. The innocent travel a straight road. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Evil people desire evil. Their neighbors get no mercy from them. I'd like to speak to you from our reading from the New Testament from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 33. And there were a couple of verses that really spoke to my heart as I was reading them that I wanted to unpack a little bit for you, and that would be um, verses 1 to 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where it is written, Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. 
but the Lord, but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. This really, really speaks volumes. And what I've noticed is that in the Hebrew roots world, the Messianic world, um, you get into a home group or a fellowship group and um, there's such a appetite and a love for the word, for the truth, for the Torah. And people like to dig in and study and unpack a word and look at it in the Hebrew. And, and they've got such a love for truth. And so Bible also says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So if we get out of balance and we love too much the knowledge of the word, but we don't love people, we are out of balance. Our head gets all puffed up, and that's pride. And even this verse talks about that. Knowledge makes us feel important. It feeds our ego. It feeds our pride. And so it also says in the word that um, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to make uh, the wise people look foolish. So love is the most important thing. Yes, we're to love the word and study it. But even more importantly, we're to love people with Yeshua's love. and. That's the most important thing. That's what we need to be putting our focus and our attention on. Now I want to jump into Psalm 33. And let's just look at verses 6 to 9. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The power of his words. He spoke, let there be light and let there be. And then there was light. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to share a beautiful song with you by Paul Wilbur called Nobody Like You. And it's a very, very anointed, worshipful song. We'll come to that in just a couple of minutes. The last two verses I want to look at, verses 10 and 11. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. I know there are many people out there who are suffering greatly. Uh, the New World Order globalists are doing a soft kill and a slow kill with this vaccine jab campaign, forcing it upon people. Um, pretty soon the military in the U.S. will be forced to take the jab. It will be mandatory. The Employees of Facebook and Twitter and Google are going to be forced to take the vaccine if they want to keep their job. Uh, if anybody from those companies is listening, quit your job. Quit your job. Don't. Don't take the jab. But even in uh, other 
parts of the world, it's mandatory and you can, you have to have a green passport. And if you don't have a green passport, you're basically a second class citizen. You can't get on a bus, get on a train, get on a plane. You can't work. You can't go to school. You're basically a prisoner in your own home. And it's just many, many, many people are suffering. And it looks like the enemy is winning. But these verses are very encouraging. God is going to have the last word. He's going to frustrate the plans of the nations. He's going to frustrate the plans of this globalist beast system that is on the rise and devouring and stomping upon the saints and wearing the saints down. The Lord is going to have the last word and he's going to thwart their scheme. The Lord's plans are going to stand firm forever. And God's intentions will not be shaken. So I just speak this uh, of this word of encouragement to be strengthened in your inner man, to be strengthened in your spirit, to set your face like flint, and to keep your eyes upon the Lord and trust in Him, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what suffering you're going through, Yeshua is with you in it and He sees what's going on in your life. He sees and he's with you. You are not alone. And he will deliver you. He will strengthen you. He will comfort you. He will be with you. So hang in there. Keep your eyes on him. Please enjoy this beautiful worship song, Nobody Like You by Paul Wilbur.
from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.